I'm wrestling, you're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 31 or 32. I'm not really sure at this point, Tommy. We've been going for a long time. Of the T. Rowan Funky Show, I'm your host, Ben Askren. With us, as always, is Tommy Rollins. And Tommy, let me let me tell, before you even chime in, let me tell you, we got some big guests today. We got your man, Jay Jaggers, coming in, talking about the Cavs. And we also got Mr. Chael Sonnen, who wants to chime in a little bit about you know the professional wrestling front, and then also about his new promotion, the Submission Underground, which is going to um, actually air... In July on Flow Wrestling. So we got a big episode. I know you're on vacation. Um, you got anything for us to start out with? No, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Good, good. Where are you in South Carolina? Where are you at? I'm in North Carolina at the beach. The Wi-Fi says I got perfect signal, so I'm hoping that uh, we don't have any issues here. I lost you there for two seconds, but yeah, two good guests, man. They're both pretty uh charismatic guys they'll have some good commentary and we're going to talk about some fun stuff with them so looking forward to it nice nice and uh are you a Cavs fan or not because you know that's what we're going to start out uh, with Jay Jaggers on so I got to know what your stance on the whole topic is I I I am I am not a Cavs fan not, but a, not at all I, or just like just like you're well not, you're here's the thing here's here's the thing I loved what went on for the people of Cleveland and I was completely enamored and consumed by the last three games, and it dominated my thoughts for the better part of four or five days. I love the whole thing, but but it's hard for me to say my cast. I haven't lived and died with the agony of Cleveland sports the way that all of my Cleveland contemporaries have. Uh, no, none other than Jay Jaggers is probably the most impassioned fan in the city of Cleveland. So I, I don't feel comfortable saying I'm a Cavs fan, but was I rooting at the top of my lungs for the Cavs? Yeah, man, and, and I loved watching them win. It was awesome. Yeah, I agree. You know what? Something that I, I've noticed that I, I really have, have gotten into lately is, um, and it's been a couple people recently who I haven't been a fan of whatsoever, but after seeing them fail so many times and come up short and they finally made it, uh, man, my heart goes out to him. So the first one was Nico Megalutis, right? Who, if, if he would have lost in the finals this year, he would have been the highest finishing guy to ever not win a title. And I have never, ever been a fan of Nico Megalutis, but to see him win that title was fantastic. And then a couple weeks ago, another guy, Michael Bisping, who I've never been a fan of in my entire life, goes and beats up Luke Rockhold, wins a UFC title when, you know, he's been chasing that forever. He was like the one guy who never got a title shot who has been around and who's fought all the top guys but hasn't got that title shot, and he made the most of it. And then, you know, I think LeBron goes into this category a little bit. He has won before, but he's also lost in the finals a lot. And there were a lot of people doubting him, saying he couldn't do it. And I'll tell you what, he got in there, he got gritty, he got it done. Did you see the stat? Did you see his stat line, Tommy? He led, him in every, he led both teams in every stat category. He was number one in all of them. Every stat category. Points rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, 
That, I mean, if that's not taking over, I don't know what taking did you, over did, is. Did you did you see how many? I completely agree. And what LeBron did on the court was nothing short of amazing. What that team did was nothing short of amazing. You know, even though it doesn't happen very often in sports, I would say that we don't see something like that every three or four months. It's once every couple of years you see a great, uh, you know, gut check type sure. world class level. But but what happened to the city of Cleveland is even more, rare, and how it has put the city on hill, and you know, just the reaction from all the people of Cleveland is. To me, even more of an anomaly. And did you? That leads me to say, though, did you see the pictures of the parade yesterday? I, I saw. You know what, Tommy? I saw that one picture that you. I, maybe it wasn't you that retweeted. It was somebody that retweeted. The people were on the parking garage. It was. It was freaking insane. But Tommy, you are neglecting to mention one thing, and that is the fact that it had not been fifty years. It had only been two months in Cleveland at champion because. Rest, oh gosh! Don't tell me wrestling zone. Steve Miocic, one time. We got Jay Jaggers calling, so let me click him in here. Okay. Yo, Jay, what's up? Jay. Yo. What's up, man? What's up? No, hey, guys. We want to talk to some Cavs basketball. You know, Tommy and I already got kicked off talking about a little Cavs basketball. Jay, by the, way, so. by, the, by the way, Jay, Ben doesn't like to let people know right when they call in, but it's live, like right now. It is so live. <laughs> you know what? And All you know right. what? Another thing, Tommy, that my wife always tells me I'm terrible at. I'm terrible at giving introductions, so we should give Jay a proper introduction. So, calling in, if you don't know who he is, you're kind of under a rock, but we got Jay Jaggers, who is a four time state champion, two time NCAA champion, and the best damn coach, dress coach in college wrestling at Ohio <laughs> State. That's right. And a Cleveland native and a very diehard Cleveland Cavs fan. So, Jay, uh, tell us what's up, man. Oh man, we're we're still coming down, man. It was uh it was a wild weekend. I was actually up in Cleveland for game six, which was last Thursday. And you, then you got uh, to go to the game. I didn't go to game six, no. Okay. Uh I almost pulled the trigger on about a two hundred fifty dollar ticket and uh, I decided to I, I was down there, I brought my dad down there, so there was just I was gonna go to the game myself instead I decided to stay with my dad and a bunch of friends, so we just watched it and then um once uh, once we forced Game 6, it was a no-brainer that I had to get back up there for Game 7, even though it was away. And we went to the exact same spot that we watched Game 6, got the, got the whole crew together, about 40, about 40 of us, and uh, we, just, we, we just tore the town up, man. Wow. So let, let me ask you this, because um, I, was, I was just mowing my lawn, having my thoughts to myself, and I was kind of thinking, Jay, and you know, maybe you don't make this parallel, but um, you were a high school phenom. You kind of, I don't want to say struggled, but relatively for how good you were, maybe struggled your first two years of college, and then your last two years, you really put it together and you won two NCAA titles, and so LeBron, someone who has been this superstar, but has kind of came up short a little bit, um, you know, what's that like, maybe not reaching your potential and then coming through it and hitting that potential that you always knew you had, what's that, what do you, what's that like from your experience? Well, please, please, let's not draw comparisons between me and LeBron. The I don't see time. why not. <laughs> uh, no, man, he, he's, you know what, I, I, on a very, 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 very much smaller scale, I kind of get it, you know, uh, just kind of the weight that he was carrying. Um, you know, you have so many friends, and you guys do, you guys know how it is, man, from your, your youth days wrestling and your youth teammates, your youth club 
club coaches, your high school coaches, your high school teammates. And then they just, when you have, you know, a pretty good high school career, they just expect it. Well, of course, it'll translate, right? We all know how hard it is. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I kind of get it from that standpoint, obviously, like I said, on a much smaller scale. Uh, he's just, I, I mean, just the whole thing, man, the last week has been just, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's been one of the greatest weeks of my life. Wow. So I, I guess, I, Tommy said you were happy, but I did not realize you were that big of a Cavaliers fan. Oh, it's it's Cleveland everything, man. Browns, Indians, Cavs, uh, the LeBron factor. It just it, this leapfrogs uh, this probably over every everything right now. It's just just how it happened. Um, you know, I said I told my buddy before the series actually, uh, my buddy Drew. I said, listen, it takes a miracle to break a curse, and we're gonna have to do something absolutely crazy that's never been done. before before in order to win you know i knew wasn't, we were not just going to win our first title in 52 years by just like straight up beating them straight up like uh four games to one like that wouldn't happen right it's yeah. got to be something crazy something cleveland and uh man to come back from 3-1 the way we did was just it was crazy i don't have any other word to describe you know, it. It was oh, insane. you know what's funny though is that the guy and jerry kind of put out the disclaimer with ben that i am not a cleveland sports fan per se it's not a Appropriate for me to say that I'm a Cavs fan, but I love so many people from Cleveland, and I've seen the turmoil that I just inherently start cheering for Cleveland when they get in these positions. But it's it's wrong for me to say I'm a Cleveland sports fan, although I was really happy about the yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've been you've been banging your chest on the Broncos for 30 years, dude. Don't please don't <laughs> come at me with your Cleveland guy. I'm a diehard Bronco fan. I'm a diehard Bronco. Right. So that's a little too. Jay, it's is it is it disgusting how much Tommy likes? Uh, Peyton Manning and I, you know, I generally have a feeling that it's it's because Tommy and Peyton share that same kind of look that he's got such a, a yeah, fondness yeah, yeah. of him. Same, same, same face. They have the same face. So <laughs> I get it. Listen, I was, I was a Bronco fan when Horseface was taking them to Super Bowl titles, but I agree. You know, no, I, that's I, true. I just had a guy. I just had a guy down pull Tommy looked like Peyton Manning, which, by the way, I consider that. Of an insult when when people tell me that, but I've heard it so many hundred times. I'm kind of used to it. A better but looking. At any rate, I, don't worry about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. That actually does mean a lot to me. Um, anyways, it was interesting though because you know, in typical Cleveland sports fashion, had they lost that game in Game Seven, let's say that the last three didn't go in Cleveland's favor, it would have been a typical Cleveland failure because they do do it. Enough to give you hope, and so did, was that stuff entering your mind those last four or five minutes of the game. It's like this is how it always goes. We we always get we always get to the point where it, you know something great could happen right. and come up short. Was that back of your mind? Yeah, no. I uh, this one just felt different, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe you know. I don't. Maybe maybe it's the hindsight, but I'm telling you, this one just felt, it felt so different with it landing on Father's Day and just how many fathers and sons were, were, were together in Cleveland. Um, the, the way the series shifted momentum, you know, I mean, they poked, they poked LeBron. They came after him after game, after uh, game four, yep. you know, calling him soft, saying it was a man's league. And I'd never seen him. We, that was the LeBron we've been waiting for forever. Even though he's been spectacular, man, that just angry, just pissed off LeBron. It was, uh, I felt honestly, I was so confident going into Sunday. I, I, I pretty much guaranteed a victory. Yeah. Now, when we were down down eight I or so, actually, like you know, at the end of the half, I got a little nervous. But uh, 
I just, I, I don't know, dude. It felt different. I don't know why. I, w- I will tell you, Jay, you know, you said there's a different LeBron, and I am not a close follower of basketball, but I, I you know, I watch here and there, and, and I got that exact same feeling. I think, you know, some certain people, they come to a point in their life where they draw a line in the sand and they say, not again. And that was yep. what I feel like happened. I feel like he said, over my dead body is this going to happen, and I'm yep. going to do everything I can. And when you're the best player in basketball, you can change the series single-handedly, and, and he did 100%. Yeah, he was pretty dialed in, man. You could tell that, like, game five after they came at him. Just, I mean, have you guys ever, I don't know, like you said, you might not watch a lot. I, I honestly, I probably watched probably 50 regular season games Damn, if I can catch them, right and I watched there. I watched probably every single second, every single second of the playoffs. Um, so, have you? I've never seen LeBron. LeBron's never gotten chippy. He's never gotten caught up in the smack talking, you know, between you know when he blocks somebody or whatnot. And in those last three games, he wasn't afraid to throw some shade, throw a crazy look at somebody. I mean, he was angry, angry. Did you? Yeah, no, I, I agree one hundred percent. I mean, I got I, I, LeBron games before game six about career. the lion. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. I missed that last part you said. Oh, you're you're good, Tom. You saw that hype video about the lion, right? The J- Jordan Burroughs video. <laughs> well, did they do it one for him? Yeah, don't poke the lion. They did. Full wrestling did. It got uh, oh, okay. I don't know, like two million views or something. Oh, something they used crazy the same, like the same, uh, the same little. It was like a clip from a movie. It was Christopher Walken. I mean, it was perfect. It was it's, yeah. it, it fits for Burroughs too, obviously, but. Uh, you know, it was that was exactly what happened, man. And he was that's why it was the whole thing shifted right then. My favorite part of the whole series, and Jay, you'll probably remember which game, which was it was when stuffed Steph Curry in a, in a dead ball because Curry like the shooter laps after they blow the whistle, and he went up a yeah. layup on a dead ball. Yeah, game LeBron. That was game three. You know, I yeah, thought no, he, I, it, he hates Curry. Such a subtle, it was such a subtle act, but to me, it said a lot to me. I, I thought, I'm like, this guy is competing. This guy is, he's in a different mindset than I've seen in his career. I haven't watched him as closely as you have, Jay, but I was like, he's he's in a different mindset right now. And that was that was before they really turned it up. So, yeah, that was game three, and then we actually kind of got game four got away. With, from us a little bit. I was a little nervous, but uh, yeah, you're right, Tommy. He 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 dialed up the energy against Curry in particular, just because you know we're, he was probably just sick of hearing about him. So sick of hearing mm-hmm. about him. Even my wife was a fan of <laughs> Steph Curry, and I don't know that my wife's ever watched a damn basketball game in her life. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this guy, but people like him. And LeBron's like, that's no, all right. I, I, my I'm wife barely guy. watches it, and I'm I'm crazy. I'm I'm crazy psycho fan, and she barely even tuned in, so uh-huh. I get it. Um, so how about, what's it like, three minutes left in the game? Last basketball question, then let's talk some wrestling, okay? Uh, three minutes left yeah, we in the do game, some wrestling here. and, and uh, the Warriors steal the ball, they're running down the court, and LeBron comes out of freaking nowhere and blocks the shot. It's the best, I mean, block, best block I've ever seen, best, best defensive play I've ever seen in my life. Seriously. I've and watched they, a lot of basketball, it, it's yeah, hundred percent. Not even close. And that, and that. Well, just the magnitude of the situation, you know, obviously heightened yeah. the play. But yeah. it was the craziest athletic feat I'd ever seen. The way he closed on him. I mean, he he, he time, if he doesn't time that up perfectly, he either doesn't get the block, 
and it goes off, you know, or if it's goaltending, right? If it hits the backboard first, it's goaltending. Mm-hmm. Or if he's too, if he's a step too fast, it's a foul. Yeah. So it's like it's just absolutely perfect. You know, that's that's when you know somebody's dialed in. No different than wrestling. You can tell at the NCAA's when there's, you know, like I mean, some guys they just get dialed in, man. You can just tell. Even you know, even as a coach, I can tell. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna win. I can just tell on on Monday of the week of the nationals, the way his focus <laughs> is, the way he just the dudes just got it, you know. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what it was like, and it, it, you know, it's cool. I, I just love excellence, man. I know you guys, the wrestling show, and Tommy. You know, I'm a big Cleveland fan, but whether it's I don't care about what sport it is, man. I get into the World Cup. I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy, but I get into the World Cup because I, I just like. I like the highest level of everything, man. Yeah. And uh, obviously baseball, I football, basketball are, are my sports. And, um, you know, that's I, I, that's why I love it so much. For sure. So let's change gears a minute. Um, are you going to – let's speak of the highest level of sport, which is what you talked about. Are you going to head down to Rio and, and support Kyle um, in any capacity? No, I will not go. Uh, I think Coach Ryan. Well, Coach Roselli's obviously going, yep. and then Coach Ryan will probably. Uh, he, he's trying to figure out whether or not he's uh, trying to figure out his travel right now. So I'll probably stay back, and uh, you know that's the week we get our team off the ground. That first week uh, of class, yeah, okay. we have a lot of meetings and stuff. So I'll, I'll be the guy that stays back. You know, holding down and, the fort. Uh, I don't know. That, that, I don't really want to mess with that all, all that Zika and stuff. I'm cool on that. I'll, I'll take a pass. I'll, I'll watch it from my. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> did you guys did you guys hear that some of the, the, the some of the countries are urging the male athletes to donate their sperm before they go down there not to get too personal because they could be sterile? Yeah. No, I haven't I haven't I, not, not I haven't dived into it yet, but yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's scary, That's scary stuff serious. though, man. It really is. And, and you know, on top of obviously the Zika, the the Brazilian economy right now is going down the drain and you know, I was just talking to uh, a fighter who has a lot of friends in Brazil, and he said, he said the crime and the violence right now is no joke, and he thinks, uh, right? He was saying that he thinks something really bad is going to happen. You know, whether it's uh, you know killing of some tourists or something like that was going to happen during the Olympic well, Games. So it do, it doesn't sound like uh, the dream right. vacation. No, I'm good. I'll I'll go, Kyle. USA flag from my house. <laughs> good. Nice. So. What uh you can give us any inside scoop about the Buckeyes this coming up season? You guys got a pretty strong team coming back. Um, lineup changes look like they're going to happen kind of a, across the board. Uh, any insider scoop? Yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, is, is Miles, is Miles going eighty four. Yeah, that's the biggest question mark. Is okay. Bo and Miles getting on the same page and figuring out? You know, Bo Bo's been Bo's hasn't been healthy. Uh, for quite some time, but especially since uh, since the postseason, um, so he had surgery. So you know, it depends if he comes back. Let's see, you know, how surgery goes. Sometimes you come back like you atrophy a little bit. You can't use some muscles, and you're smaller. Or you know, as the layoff from being able to kind of do some more cardio make you bigger. I don't. It all depends on the guy. We'll see the weight he comes back in at. Uh, you know, it's a good problem to have him and Miles. We'll figure it out. We'll help guide them, you know, with the best knowledge that we have and try to make our uh, – do what's best for them but also best for the team. Nice, nice. Well, um, Tommy, we got about four minutes till our next guest calls in. You got 
Any other questions for Jay, or, or are we good to go? I got to say that one more time, breaking up. Oh, well, I, I No, asked, I think I bro- Oh. I asked Tom. I said, Tommy, are we good I'm to go? Because we got... Can anyone hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Tommy, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, kind of, not really. Sound uh, like you're in a cave. Yeah. Jay, cut this part right, out for us. <laughs> yeah, we, uh... Is that... No, you're rough, Tommy. We usually don't edit the show barely at all. Uh, but this, I think we have to edit this part out a little bit. All right, one, one, one take, Jay. That's what they used to call me in uh, my high school theater class. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a last question, whether Tommy can hear it or Tommy that, can't am hear I, am it. Am I in at all? There you go. Okay, Tommy, let, okay. since you were out of it, I was going to let you ask Jay one last question, but I want to ask him one last question since you were... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah. I'm not I'm not dialed in like LeBron style since I've been working on my audio the past three minutes. So just go ahead and take over, okay. Ben. I'm, I'm out of the loop right so, now. So so Jay, I think we got the same favorite move. The Cradle's my favorite move by far. I want to say you got the same feeling. Now, do you think the Cradle's a great enough move that if Tommy would have been taught it early enough, he might have been able to get in the double digit pins in college? I think um. <laughs> I don't know if Tommy's tough enough for it, you know. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think oh anybody can cradle, honestly. Listen, Lou Roselli's got a really good cradle. He's really? Like 5'2". Yeah, he balls the guy up into a little package. He does a pretty good job at does, it. Does he go inside but, uh, or outside cradle? It's 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 a near side cradle. Oh, he goes inside? Okay. Yeah, basically, if you touch my right leg, you're getting cradled. That's kind of my rule. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see that. I would not touch your right leg. Well, you know, you're pretty tricky, though, because even when people – Go head inside. You usually take them head outside, and then you go to your cradle. So, um, yeah, you know, if I was coaching someone against you, I don't know that, that I would advise that they shoot at all for the most part, or maybe just a double <laughs> leg every once in a while. Yeah, they better control the hips. Yep. Well, all right, man. Thanks for coming on, and, and congrats yeah, to no Cleveland problem. Cavaliers. Go Cleveland. Go Cleveland. Go Cavs. Go LeBron. Uh, good, good, good job, guys. All right. Thanks, Jay. See you guys. See ya. All right. We are joined now by our second guest who needs no introduction because he's the biggest draw in the history of MMA. So we're going to talk to Mr. Chael P. Sonnen a little bit about, you know, the possibility of a professional wrestling league making in America. And also, uh, you know, a parallel to that, he is starting the Submission Underground in July, which is actually going to air on Flow Grappling. Um so, Chill, what's up, man? You want to tell us a little bit about your new league coming on? What's up, dudes? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, pretty simple. July 17th, it's going to be on Flow Combat, live and free for all members. And uh, and that's it. It's, it's, it's eight-minute grappling matches, EBI rules. And we got some pretty big names on the card. So there you go. So I, I, I know I saw some wrestlers on. I know I saw, um, I saw Mo. I saw Steven Abbas. And obviously, so our radio show airs on Flow Wrestling, so... Um, give us some more wrestling names if there are more. Or Steven and Mo is that are those the key uh, key wrestlers on your card? Yeah, yeah, we got Mo. Mo's going to take on Vinny Magulians. Uh That's the main event. And you know, I'll tell you guys that the one thing about this league and with the EBI rule is somebody's going to lose. It's not like some grappling where you have that default button of uh of a draw or you know even where you keep scoring and just look to the points they will go until somebody taps out there's an overtime format somebody's going to submit why that's so interesting you got Vinny 
Abu Dhabi world champion, beat Chris Weidman in 18 seconds, beat Fabricio Verdum in the finals. Uh, either he's going to tap or Moe's going to tap. And you got Moe's never tapped out before. That's never mm. happened. So wow. one of these guys is going to lose, and that's kind of the mystique of it. Of course, Stephen Abbas, who you mentioned, he's going to take on uh, Alex Kanders, who is a uh, Eddie Bravo black belt. But then we've got Jake Shields on the card. Jake Shields is coming in. He's going to take nice. on Chris Lytle. Chris Lytle's got a submission win over Matt Brown. There's, there's a lot of interesting matches. So um, so let's draw a parallel because, you know, as I, we were talking a little bit by text yesterday, and Tommy and I have been talking about the possibility of pro wrestling in America. I have been a part of two two leagues who have attempted to do so and failed. Um, you know, I have, I have my own opinion about what it's going to take. And, and now you're starting the Submission Underground, which is, I would say, very similar, kind of from ground zero. Chill, what's it going to take for something like Submission Underground or a fresh wrestling to be successful in America? What do they need and what are they missing? Well, you know, I think there's a few things. There, there, there's, there's no real recipe. It's not like making chocolate chip cookies where if you, if, you, if you do X, Y, and Z and you heat the oven just right and you put the flour and sugar and eggs all together, that it comes out. It just it, it doesn't work that way. But in theory, you know, the very first thing we need is, is people to care. Yeah. You need people to tune in and watch. And I get asked all the time, all the time, for years I've, asked, I've been asked, uh, what's wrestling need to succeed? And I always give the pocketed answer, well, you know, a little more promotion, a little more marketing, all the show could be presented. But I always give that because people can't handle the truth. The truth that wrestling needs is controversy. The yeah. biggest story of the year was Schneider versus Gwynn. The second biggest story of the year is when Kevin Dresser called the brands pussy. If the brands had the <laughs> sense God gave Keith, they would have responded and then they would have rolled a mat out and sold the tickets, and it would have broken every college record that there was. Sure. Nothing creates cash like controversy. And did you, did you hear the disappointing news that Iowa won't schedule Virginia Tech next year either? I mean, should, should it, Dresser it, go on another tirade or what? And I understand that those guys are under confines. You've got schools. You know, they're, no, they're not totally they, open they to just come it. out and respond. They can do but it. But the smallest response guy, all you have to do is come out and say two words. We accept. Roll out the mats, sell the tickets, and watch the records get broken. It was the biggest missed opportunity that I can remember in wrestling, period. That's a big statement. I can't remember a bigger missed opportunity than that one. But I, I, I was dumbfounded. It was the second biggest story in all of wrestling in the entire year. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I agree. And, um, it it is my it is is crazy to me that they won't schedule that match next year either because I agree, like you said, that was awesome. And right after that happened, we all wanted to see those guys uh, those guys go at it. And Iowa does deserve a little bit of credit for putting on you know what actually Tommy and I called it the event of the year, the grapple on the gridiron where they got forty four thousand fans, them versus Oklahoma State in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, were you able to check that one out? What did you think about it? Yeah, I watched it. You know, it was pretty cool. They, they, those weren't wrestling fans as much as, look, there was a football game. It was somewhere to come and drink beer and get your seat ahead of time. But we'll take it. It was still good, smart marketing. They did have 44,000. That shattered all the records. And that's not going to be beat, beat anytime soon. They also took on the risk of the elements. That was in the dead of winter. They could have started snowing on those poor guys. Fortunately, they did have weather on their side. It was a good dual meet. But... Those aren't wrestling fans. They, they just weren't. They, you had them. It was a place to drink beer before the football game. Good for them. I don't mean that to sound negative, but that's what happened. 
Sure. So, Chael, I can I completely agree with you that it's not a chocolate chip cookie recipe. Just you know, it's a good analogy. But simple question for you: Do you think that we can monetize and and make professional wrestling a profit center for our sport? Is it, do you think it's even possible? Because you say controversy creates cash. Do you think if we did a 180 on our behaviors and the way that we conduct ourselves in the public eye so that we can, you know, obviously draw more attention. Do you think wrestling would then monetize and be profitable? I think that it's possible. I don't totally know how to do it. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstanding on it. Uh, I'll give you an example. A lot of, there's a movement to see Sagittarius take on Schneider. And, you know, whoever's putting up the money for that, be ready to lose every cent uh, <laughs> that you get. That's not a worldwide phenomenon. But people that are, are in the business and in the industry and care would love to see that match. So you want, uh, I would see that match, and I would raise it a Kyle Dake versus Ben Askren. That would draw more than Sajulai versus Schneider. So there's always a misunderstanding on that, too. I mean, you've got to find two guys that want to wrestle each other. The biggest match that anybody could put on right now, Flo, uh, USAW, Dan Dennis, versus Tony Ramos. That's the single Ooh. biggest match. But I, I can assure you, if somebody was going to put a, a tournament together, they they would step over a dollar to pick up a dime, and they try to put Schneider and Satch alive, which, again, is a big match. But the people that are our leaders in our industry, they live in a bubble, and they get confused. And it's like, well, you guys put that on one side of town, Grin and Dake, I'll put it on, on the other side of town, and we'll see whose gate is bigger. Dennis versus Ramos would be... Uh... Especially Ramos, um, I don't know if he gets it 100%. You know, I don't know if he's as exquisite of a promoter or if it's kind of like just by happenstance. But he does, he is one of the most outspoken guys in wrestling. And obviously, the little tirade he went on after the Olympic team trials, uh, you know, like you said, was was one of the biggest controversies of the year. Wrestling doesn't see stuff like that. So, um, man, I would like, Chill, you want to promote that match? Oh, I would love to promote that match. You know, I think those guys would do it. I don't think he'd have to bribe either guy. But, yeah, I mean, the drama, who knows how far it would unfold. Is Terry Brands going to show up and walk out with Dennis? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how far does it go? Tom definitely would. But now what's Terry do? Terry was real. Uh, Ray then you got, you got, got Coleman, you got Coleman Scott in the corner. Oh, that, that would be, that'd be yeah. some good stuff right there. Yeah, and if you guys saw Ramos wrestle at the World Cup, you know he's already adopted a lot of a lot of Coleman Scott's uh, style and idiosyncrasies and movements, particularly with dropping the back knee and leaving the lead leg. He's starting to look like Coleman, and I've always loved wrestlers that are a combination of Iowa and Oklahoma State. I love programs where they've got an Iowa guy and an Oklahoma State guy. Just personally, I like that clash and combination. I think it'd be real interesting to see where Ramos ends up twelve months from now. I I, I think it's going to be a positive. Right, so you uh, so I, you mentioned the World Cup there. You, did you catch a lot of it, a little bit? Uh, I think you were there in person, I tried, right? I didn't get to go in person. I had planned to go. Uh, I, I planned to go and be a guest with uh, with Vargas, but I, I didn't make it out, so I watched it on flow. I feel like I saw it all. I think one of the bigger surprises is when Jaden got beat. I was uh, I was on board for the undefeated uh, Jaden <laughs> train to see how far we could ride that thing, but... I mean that's the reality. When you're wrestling this level of guys and you're still, you you should you should drop some matches. I was just really into the fact that he had it. Was, it was fun. Yeah, you know, overall, I thought I thought America performed really well. Um, you know, Jaden, like you said, he you know, 
he kind of has so far overperformed our expectation, expectations that we shot our expectations way up to the ceiling. Um, he still had a great World Cup. He went 3-1. and one. He beat a lot of really good guys. I mean, he beat the Iranian that was, I believe, a world medalist. And then you know another guy who – it was kind of up and down, but he's a younger guy – is uh, Alex Dieringer. He did kind of take a butt whooping from Yazdani, but he had a couple good wins in there. So And then obviously Snyder was Snyder. Molnar had a good tournament, but – I think the future is looking bright for America. I mean, it really, really looked good for a team-wise. I agree with that. I think it's looking bright for the whole world, though. You know, you bring up Yastani. He, he was in the juniors a couple of years ago against Pico. He keeps changing weight classes. I think he's probably settled in here. But, yeah, I mean, he's just a force to deal with. And there's young guys all over the place. But to your point, yeah, the Americans have them, too. You know, when Burroughs era ends, you know, Derringer's sitting there waiting. And, and he's not the only one. There's other guys, too, but... Yeah, Derringer's sitting there waiting, and, and yeah, he beat at least one world bronze medalist, and he might have beaten two. And then, I, you know, he took that beating from, from Iran, but he might have beaten two medalists. Yeah, I, I believe he did. I believe the the Georgian he wrestled was, and, and the Azerbaijan. But yeah, don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert in international wrestling, but I did like how America was looking there. Obviously, Burroughs was out, had the set, you know, he had the second kid. Um, let me hit one more topic that I know you're fairly fond of, Chill. I know we don't got a lot of time with you, but I want to hit. One more topic. You love uh, how messed up the Russian system is, right? Did you just read this news? <laughs> I don't know if you read this. Tommy, you, by your laugh, I'm judging you just read this news. That a yes, Russian, the vice president of the Russian Wrestling Federation was just found dead in the river. Yeah. How, how crazy is that? As, well, that's, that's, it's, not, only, it's not only is he the vice president, that's Adlan Barayev. I mean, that's, that's his... That's as legendary as it gets. Yeah, and so obviously there was yeah, all is. this controversy. He, he beat Dave Schultz, in fact, at the World Championships in 87. But, yeah, I know all about that. And, and, and when you take one of the greatest athletes alive and say that he can't tread in the little river, it, it's a little bit suspicious to me. It is. And with all, you know, obviously the controversy that just happened at the, at the Russian Championships where um, Dagestan boycotted because of, you know, Lebedev is essentially someone bought the matches for Lebedev. I don't know that they've... Uh, you know, stuck out the culprit there, but they, you know, the matches were rigged essentially. Um, and now, now the vice president ends up in the river. I, I just find that like a, a wow. You know, you knew it. You know, it's Russia. You know that kind of stuff could happen, but it's still kind of in 2016. That's a wow to me. I agree, and it's a weird coincidence. And we'll see if Russia even ends up in the Olympics. I hope that they do, but we'll, we'll see. You know, track and fields out, and I think that more is coming. I like that the Dagestan wrestlers got up and walked out. There, there was so much corruption at some point, you just take your team and go. <laughs> and and they won. They won that battle. They sent all those guys over to Poland this last weekend and put them in another tournament so they could figure out their their Olympic team. In fact, that heavyweight was incredible. Makov, who you know, I don't even know how many world titles he's got between the two styles, but he doubled up in medals last year of each style was not the Russian national champion. So Makov enters, the guy that won the Russian nationals enters, and then, of course, Gatsolov entered. And uh, there was more hammers, too. Uzbekistan said a couple-time Olympian, and we, as America with Gizwowski, we brought home the bronze medal. We brought home the bronze medal there. So, um, you know, we could beat all those guys. Gwiz had the, the defending champion, or reigning national champion, beat with 11 seconds left and gave up a push-out, lost 8-7. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Mega Medov, I believe that guy's name is. So, hey, I did. So, I, I sound like a terrible wrestling fan, but I know Makov and Gutsalver in the finals. I was at a wrestling camp. Who won the one? Who won that match? 
You know what? I think I'd have to check. I think they met up in the semifinals. Oh, uh, maybe I think Makov. I'm pretty sure Makov won 11-0. 11-0? Then you might want to fact check me. I'm pretty sure I saw that he won 11-0. No, that that is correct. Which that is, is obviously correct. shocking. Makov teched him, but I'll tell wow. you this. That is shocking. Uh, Gatsolov grabbed a hold of him. Gatsolov grabbed a hold of him and went for a body lock throw and went straight to his back, gave a four. Came back to his feet, got in the exact same position, tried the exact same move again, went flat to his back, gave up another score. So that was eight of your 11, but Makov was just too big. And other than that, Makov had one takedown, one push out. There's your left point. Boom. And so right. Makov will be the, apparently will be the representative in 2016 in Rio. And then, obviously, he signed the UFC contract, so after that, he'll probably be out to the UFC. Um, Chael, I know you got a workout coming up. We will, uh, we'll let you get out of here unless you got any closing thoughts for us. No, man, I am, uh, let me think here. No, I don't have anything. The World Cup was great. We should probably give James, uh, James Green a shout out. Might have been the wrestler of the day or, uh, Molinaro. So, uh, so that was, that's it for me. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate it, Chill. Have a Thanks good day. Thanks a lot, Chill. All right, Tommy. Dude, you guys were rocking. You guys were rocking. I felt like a spectator. I didn't want to chime in. That was great. I can't believe how much he knows uh, about the results and everything. He follows it religiously. Yeah, you know what? I, I wanted to bring up another thing. I, I was like, uh, then I realized, Tommy, as I was about to say it to him, I kind of, I kind of stuttered. I think as I realized I was about to say it to him, it was his show. I heard it on this morning. Do you want to hear? Have you do you listen to Chael's show at all? No, I didn't. What did he say on the show? So apparently, so it was the Russian thing. That, that was why I kind of stuttered because I was about to say it, and then I realized, oh, I'm an idiot. I listened to this on Chael's podcast. So <laughs> apparently, <laughs> after 2012. A handful of the Russian track and field athletes sent WADA, which is the, for you guys who don't know, is the World Anti-Doping Association. They sent WADA a bunch of emails. And this, this is medal, Tommy, this is Olympic medalists. This isn't like nobodies, right? And they sent WADA emails which said essentially, hey, we're being forced to dope as a part of the Russian training system. We don't like this. We want to stop. Can you please investigate? Is, you know, is what Chael, you know, paraphrases, but that's what happened. And WADA does nothing about it. How crazy is that? Right. I mean, wild, man. I mean, it's, it's wild. And now, and now these, yeah. uh, right. And now these, uh, these athletes aren't being able to compete because of Russia's training protocols when it, you know, it, it, it's somewhat apparent that they tried to blow the whistle on the system and it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you fix something that, that, that is that broken, honestly, Ben. I mean, what do you think they should do? I mean, I guess you, at this point you can't trust Russia to to police itself. I mean, USADA, right? USADA is the United States Anti-Doping Agency, and, and they police really well. They're, they're a pain in the butt, right? Um, I mean, they make you <laughs> they fill out really all well. these freaking forms, know where you're at at every single time, but... Rusada, which is the Russian Russian anti-doping, is uh, apparently the opposite. They're they're helping give uh, their athletes the performance enhancing drugs they need to win. But you know some of these athletes don't even want to take them. And um, the other podcast I listened to, I was just driving a lot. That's what I was listening to. My so podcast. what did you say? Some of these athletes don't even want to take them. Like how do you know that? Ben? That's what they emailed. They emailed and said, "Hey, we you know we don't want to be part of the system. Could you please investigate to Wada?" That's what that's what Chael said. 
and Wada did yeah, nothing amazing. about it. It's amazing. Amazing. And, amazing. you know, they see Adlon Vrayev ending up in the river, and they probably don't want to end up the same way, I'm guessing. Hey, he had, he had been missing for a while, correct? Um, I, I don't know. I just I read the first paragraph, which just said, um, I believe it was two days ago, they found him in a river in, it wasn't in Dagestan, but it, I believe it was Chechnya or somewhere close to Dagestan. But I don't know how yeah, long I he was, I, I do not know how long he was missing for. I'm pretty sure Varaya for some Grozny, which is basically, for all intents and purposes, the capital of Chechnya. Chechnya. Yep. And that's where he's from, because when I wrestled in Grozny, he was like the second chump. Um, so it was probably, yeah, that region where he was found, which is just, I think, just west of the Caucasus, if I remember correctly. But I think he'd be missing for a while, and it's obviously suspicious activity. I really don't think he'd drown around. I don't think Ivanya Regan was killed in the car accident either. For that really? Matter. I think that... Tommy, I no, didn't I know you were a conspiracy theorist. I I'm love it. Really, I love it. I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Um, I guess I am sometimes. I just don't think that tragic deaths happen to uh, only Russia's best wrestlers. You know, it's, it's <laughs> just like everyone dies tragically in Russia. Yeah, They I mean, die, you know, they fall off a bridge, drown in a river car accident you know i just don't think it's really that's really the case you know yeah. what i mean i don't know how to expand on it and and really give i don't know how i just don't believe that that's always how it goes down sure I'll, I'll give you that and I, you know i technically i don't like the term conspiracy theorist because you know i think if you're a person that believes mainstream media gives us the the real news 100 percent of the time you're kind of a fool a little bit right Someone's running an angle, right. and you know we're not getting the full truth and nothing but the truth 100 percent of the time. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of suspicion around that. And um, Russia, you know, Willie. So my other podcast I was listening to was Willie, uh, Willie and CP on Flow Radio Live, and they're talking about kind of what kind of punishments to give athletes if if they fail. And so right now it's a two two year suspension. But what they were saying was that. With a country like Russia, who's kind of systematically doping, right? They're, they're forcing a lot of the athletes. To right. Do it. If one guy gets suspended, they just throw the next guy in, right? And right. But so I have a tough time with that because uh, in Russia, in a country like Russia, where it, there's a lot of economic hardship, um, if an athlete goes and wins an Olympic gold medal, it, it, it is literally life changing. That might not be the case in America, but that is the case in Russia. One hundred percent. I so, agree. I, I well, I, I think that the biggest thing we have to recognize about what happened in Russia, and then even more so in places like Cuba, is that the when you win the Olympics, your life is easier for the rest of your life than if you win the Olympics in the U.S. But if you don't win the Olympics, your life is infinitely worse than if you don't win the Olympics in the U.S. So, so the benefit of winning is greater. And the, 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 the lack of winning is worse. So you're dealing with, you know, two opposite ends of the pendulum. It's, you know, it feels much more like life or death for those guys. So to your point, which I think you're about to make, is these guys are more, um, a- appropriately, you know, f- filtering their motivation to things that, you know, outside of the rules of the game. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean that that was one of the points I was going to make is that yeah, the motivation is there for them one hundred percent. But but the number two point I was going to make is say there are some clean athletes and right, we can't just say every Russian is dirty. We can't say that, Tommy. Now, should they be tested more stringently? Yes. Are some of them dirty? One hundred percent. But 
you know, what if there's a number two or a number three guy who's clean and he's actually, you know, stayed away from the system and now they say, okay, well, 61 kilos, you can't go to the Olympics, even though that number two or that number three, he's been doing all the right things, been keeping it clean, and number one's been cheating. Yeah, kick him out and send the next guy. I don't really see an issue with that. Right, right. Hey, Ben, I got a hypothetical for you. I love hypotheticals. Let's go. So, 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 so I, you know, we always, we, we, you know, we've talked a lot about how, you know, not you and I, but it, it's, it's been discussed in the elite American wrestling community, and even amongst just everyone, they kind of put the pieces together here. But you know, there's been rumors um, that Cuban wrestlers have been bought. No, that's not rumors. Um, that's fact. Correct. Okay. So yeah. So anyways, Cuban wrestlers have been bought, and yes. people. You know, some people I've heard say in conversations that when I'm with them, I can't believe that. How could they do that? How could they? Oh, I get um, it. You know, possibly, possibly imagine, um, you know, doing that when they trained all their life. Don't they want to win the normal way? And my my hypothetical is, you know, have you ever been to Cuba? By the way, Ben, I have. Yeah, I wrestled there in 2010. Yeah, so, at the so there's, there's, I've been there three times. There's beautiful parts. Cuba, there's god awful parts of Cuba, and in Cuba, I mean, if, if somebody offered you, if you're in the you know Olympic semifinals or the World Semifinals, some guy offers you a briefcase full of cash and it's a hundred grand, and you know that that would allow your grandmother to eat three meals a day instead yeah. of one, and it and it would put your three cousins and your niece, you know, back into an apartment instead of living on the streets, and it will allow you to buy a vehicle for you and your wife and your two kids. And, and it would do all these, it would offset all of these um, unbelievably impoverished things that not many people in America can even comprehend. And yeah, do you want to win the Olympics? But what's more important, winning the Olympics, the, the Al Natural way, or changing the, 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 the economic status of your family? And I don't mean going from living in a, a modest home to a, a mansion. I'm talking about from living yeah. in complete and total poverty and being able to have three meals a day, have clothes on your back, um, live under a roof. I mean, these are the things that goes through these guys' minds that people don't really think about. I mean, when you're a Cuban athlete, that's what you think about when you when you consider yeah. you're being no, bought Tommy, or not. I, I, I'm, a, I'm 100% with you. And I'll tell you, when I was at the World Cup in 2008 in Russia, I was on the elevator. It, Tommy, it wasn't a secret. I'll tell you who it was. It was... Uh, Rodriguez, which what was his damn first name? Alexis Rodriguez, and uh, it's a yeah. it's a big dude, right? You you probably wrestled him, so you I don't got to tell you how yeah, big this I, guy I is. Wrestled him four times. He's big and he's scary, and I'm on the elevator. It's him and a turkey coach, and he kind of corners this guy in the elevator and says, "Listen, man, I need my money. I need it now." And because he so he had thrown the match in the semis the previous year to I can't whoever the damn Turkish heavyweight was at that point. But I'm thinking, like, let me off this damn elevator. Something's about to go down right now. Like, this is a big, scary guy. I don't want to be here. I don't want to see nothing. <laughs> I want to get out of here, right? Wow. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like right. it was a secret by any means. But, um, so, yeah, 100%. I, you know, they're what their GDP and, and, is. I mean, you know, good, their GDP is like $3,000 a year. So right or wrong, Ben. No, it's right. No, no, we can we can turn. It's right. They're doing the right thing. I mean, if you're Tommy, if your GDP is three thousand dollars a year, and that's the average income, and it, it might even be less than that. I might I might be exaggerating. 
Um, and these guys are taking twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars home. I mean, Tommy, the guy that I lost to in the Olympics, uh, Ivan Fundora. Do you yep. find it a little funny that he's got six bronze medals but never a silver or a gold? Because I find well, that yeah, sus- and then, I find and then, that suspicious. Uh, well, yeah, Yoel Yo Romero won the world when yeah, I think he was either nineteen or twenty and never won it again. Never but he medaled like six times. Yeah, but he medaled six times, so it wasn't like it wasn't like. The world title he got was a flash in the pan. He got the world title, and then he was elite for 10 years after that and happened to medal all the time but never won the gold. Yeah. No, I uh, yeah, I hear you loud and clear. It happens. I don't blame any of the Cubans. I mean, it, it sucks, right? And it sucks especially because I don't think a lot of Americans are doing it. It's mostly the Russians doing the paying off of the no, Cubans. No, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it happens in America. I don't, I don't I mean, think so. I, I really I, don't, I don't think, think that well, we do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I will tell you one. I, I won't tell you any names right now, Tommy. I'll tell you off air, but not on air. Uh, not that it doesn't happen, but I, uh, it, it's an older generation, so a little bit past our time. Um the Takti Cup, you know what that is in Iran? Of course. Of course. Okay, so so the American contingent goes over to the Takti Cup and um and this this one wrestler does I think he won either won or took silver and, and he got some cash on the award stand like three grand, twenty five hundred dollars. It says something in that effect. And so he's bragging about it at the hotel later, right? And this other American chimes in. He goes, "Oh yeah, look at this!" And he opens up an envelope. And this this American that's speaking I, up. I know, I know who it is. I know who it okay, is. Okay, well, so <laughs> let me finish the story. the story. So he's a world champion. He says, "Well, look at this!" And he pulls out. I want to say it was fourteen thousand dollars. And they're like, "What the? Hell? How the hell did you get that?" And he goes, "Well, the first Iranian paid me eight thousand dollars to beat me, and the second Iranian paid me six thousand. I got kids to feed. I don't give a damn about the Takti Cup. <laughs> is that the same story you heard? Oh yeah, it is. I know. I know. Oh, I know. So, so let's anyways, not act, let's not act like it's world. exclusively Cubans, right? And doesn't isn't there the story? Okay, right. let, let well, me the get thing this. Is, is that I'm not saying I don't. You know, I'm, I'm, I agree. I think we both agree mostly, Ben, but. I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. I'm just not. I'm just not going to say it's wrong. I'm, I'm saying not it's right. Say it's wrong because if I'm a Cuban, I'm feeding my kids. I have, yeah, well, that's why it's not wrong. Yeah. That's all I'm saying is that's why it's not wrong because because I have four kids. Yeah, and if I had four, you know, if I have four kids and they were, I mean, could you imagine feeding your kids less than three meals a day? Could you no. imagine your kids? Could you imagine your child saying, "I'm hungry." And there's nothing you can do about it. That is the world these people live in. Yeah, and so we cannot, you cannot possibly put yourself in their shoes without really thinking long and critically about when they take the buyout, what they're doing it for. Yeah, and no, I'm telling you, know I'm telling you, Tommy, I'm I'm taking the money. If I'm a Cuban, I'm taking the money. Right, right, and and and. Like I said, I don't think it's wrong. I'm not going to say it's the right thing. It's just not wrong. I would not judge somebody to do it for those under those circumstances. You know, I could see myself doing it or not doing it. But I'm not going to judge somebody when they can't feed their kids or when their when their own mother is living in a cardboard box. It's sure. like you know what? Desperate times call for desperate measures, and I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna geography is my major, so I am interested in, in finding out. 
exactly how poor the Cubans are. Um, man, okay. Okay, so I, I was underestimating time. It's $6,000 a year GDP, U.S. dollars. Um, that's still pretty damn bad. Yeah, right? there, there you have it. There you have it. So when someone offers you 40 yeah. what's the what's the average American salary? Average American salary is the GDP is fifty thousand in America. All right, so what's fifty divided by six? That's uh, roughly eight, eight times. So, so we our our average GDP is eight times the Cuban, and then you know to add to add to that, they're well below you know that's below the poverty line. So if it's eight times, you know if it's a hundred versus eight hundred, it's like well, don't cry too much about it. You can still have a means of living, but yeah. six grand, I mean. Six grand doesn't work anywhere. That doesn't go far. It doesn't work anywhere. It no. doesn't work anywhere. So yeah. So anyways, that's a good. That was a good hypothetical way to end our show, I guess. Yeah, we kind of got off on a tangent, but uh, hell, international wrestling—that's what's coming up. So I guess we're saying, how many Cuban wrestlers are throwing a match in Rio? Any of them that get paid? Exactly. Uh, and, I, I just. Wait, I'm not going to judge. Up... I'm not going to judge those guys. I actually, I, I hold. I hold the countries that. I hold those, those those mobsters, those mobsters that exploit that situation. That's the people that need freaking strung up, in my opinion. Well, man, they, they're just helping the poor. Oh, okay. God. Well, right? You want to get paid for your skills. Cubans are getting paid for their <laughs> skills. Hey, let me throw another one at you, another uh, a story, since I brought up one story. Um, and I, I can't confirm or deny this, because at this time I was 12. But so, Angle goes... One to one through the overtime with the Iranian, right? Who, who was his name? The Iranian was it Abbas Jadidi or Jadidi? Jadidi. Jadidi. So someone told me, and I like I said, I was twelve. I wasn't following wrestling. Someone told me that Iranian guy walked by the referee stand in the overtime and dropped a briefcase next to the referee stand, and it was like obvious to everyone in the arena. So that the, the officials felt like whether they were going to already or not. They felt like there was no way they could pick Iran or else it would look like they were being bribed. Have you heard that story or no? I never heard that story, no, but that's interesting. That's, that's what someone told odd. me. Like I said, I wasn't there. I can't confirm it or deny it. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, well, that's, that's, that's international sports for it. I mean, it happens in FIFA. You saw what happened with FIFA soccer. Oh, I mean, FIFA was just like diff- uber a- corrupt. Yeah. Beyond corrupt. Beyond corrupt. Um, okay, let's see. What, what do we got coming up, Tommy? What do we got coming up the next few weeks? Well, it's late June. We've got you know we've got Fargo coming up. Four, we probably, four weeks from we Fargo. Should probably, we should probably cover some recruiting. You know, July first is coming up. That's when coaches can you know reach out to kids. Although the recruiting dynamic is different nowadays. You know, we should probably have an episode about the recruiting dynamic now versus when you and I were coming out. It's way different, way earlier. Who'd be an expert on that Wait. topic? Was some college coach or what? But if we got a college I, I would, coach, you know, a college they—they've got to be—they've got to be PC though. I'd love to talk to like an ex-college coach and just shoot it straight and be like, yeah. "Listen, I've got to—I've got to convince a fifteen or sixteen-year-old kid to come to my college, and I know damn well that he doesn't know how to think for himself at that age. And you know, it's—it's it's basically." exploitation but if i don't do it somebody else is going to do it and then i can't compete so you know i'm basically recruiting children to yeah. come wrestle in college because obviously you can see that that's how i feel about it uh, and so it would be we should we should 
marinate on that these next couple nights, and we should probably have yeah. a recruiting discussion. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not a, a super expert in that topic, but uh, yeah, I and, you know, the number one obviously of next year is Spencer Lee, and he is already uh, spoken for as he is going to Iowa, and Iowa's got they got I think what four guys signed up already, so they're uh you know they're moving early in the in the recruiting rankings. Um, who else is? Does Ohio State have anyone committed for next year? I I don't know off the top of my head. Look. I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna look right here. Let's see. We got ooh Arizona State's got Missouri has a couple. One one of the wrestlers I coach actually is uh, is headed to Missouri, and, and I know they got a St. Edwards guy, which um, you freaking love St. Edwards. Michigan's got a which uh, kid they get. They got a kid named Jared Campbell. He's a two. He was a two twenty pound okay. flow national champ. Uh, gotcha. Supposed to be really good from from what I hear. Um, I want to say they might have another. Uh, let me find it. I want to say, oh, Cornell's got a good class already because they got Vitalia Ruja and Yanni, which are, you know, you could never say who's who's a miss and who's who's going to be a star because more of these guys are going to be misses than we can estimate. But man, those right. two, those two kids are good. They are are really, really, really good. Well, I feel like I feel like there's there every year, and this will tie into our recruiting episode. But every year, there's more and more guys that are can't misses. Like back in the day when I was coming out, there was always like one or two guys that were just you knew they were going to win, and then the rest of them were crapshoots. And now I feel like there's like maybe ten a year where it's like they're going to win. Oh, I don't see. I don't know about that. I I'm gonna call your bluff a little bit because I remember. I think it was uh, someone just did a recruiting rewind. I it may have been Willie and CP on their show, and it was from 2011, so five years ago, right when the when the class currently that's graduating graduated high school. And man, it was shocking how many are missing. Right. And I remember, you know, obviously I was in college coaching at the time, so I remember. Seeing those guys come out of high school, and and now I'm thinking like, holy crap, he wasn't any good. Like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I only said there was ten guys in the whole <laughs> country. You know, <laughs> I didn't say there was like a hundred, but there used to only be one or two where it's like, take it to the bank. He's winning. Everyone else was kind of like, yeah, he's good. I mean, obviously blue chip, but we'll see. You know, and, and I just feel like it's happened. It's more and more so of an assurance. You know, there's more and more guys that are in a, you know, you can take it to the bank. They're going to be a three or four time All American. Okay, wait. So let me let me let's get let's get you since we're, you know we're on radio. This is going to be on. Uh, this is going to be what are we on the record, right, Tommy? So, Dave, how do I get to the big board here? I'm going to the uh, the senior big board. I'm trying to at least. The heck, Flo? Flo, what are you doing here? 2016 senior big board. Why is nothing coming up? I was going to quiz you on who, who we <laughs> thought was going to be a superstar. Um, let's see. Not Oh, because I'm not logged in. That's why. Duh. Okay. Tommy, give me a second here. I'm going to log in on the Flow Big Board. I'm going to quiz you. And then five years from now, we're going to come back to this episode, and we're going to say, Tommy, full of crap or not. Mark Hall. Guaranteed. How many time all American? When I say guarantee, when I when I say guarantee, that means three time all American or better. Okay, Nick Soriano. Not a guarantee. I say not a guarantee. Also, Alex Marinelli. Not a guarantee. I I agree. Nick Renan. Not a guarantee. I, I think he's guaranteed. I think he's guaranteed. Mason Manville. I don't I don't think uh, he's five. I don't think he's not a, gar- the light not of a day. guarantee. 
Okay, Hayden Hidley. Not a guarantee. <laughs> Tommy, you only got number. The only guarantee you got is number one. I, I I'm willing to take Renan back. Okay, I go for Renan. All right, let's go. Griffin Perriott. Not, Not a guarantee. guarantee. <laughs> See how hard it is. It's it is hard. It's hard, dude. It is hard, Stan. You know, and that right there, I just listed the, the top seven guys of any weight. That's the top seven, pound for pound. Um, I'll take Green and back. Okay, I'll give you a few on here. Who I think are gonna be really good. I think Mitchell McKee. I think he's gonna be the real deal. Um, impressed. Yes. Bo Bresky. He's from this area where I'm, Wisconsin. Um, I think he's gonna be the real deal. Uh, let me get a few more. I think. Uh, that Dakota Gear kid. I don't know why he's all the way down at twenty two. He's he's going to be good. I, I think he's going to be really good. Um, who else? Evan and Xander Wick. Eh, definitely possible. Well, I guess that's a. I think okay. Ben Darmstadt. He's another kid. I'm biased because I I've uh, I know him a little bit. Man, I guess there's less than I thought, dude. <laughs> it is. It's hard, isn't it? It is hard. It is. It really it's is hard. Okay. Well, uh, listen. You have a fun vacation. Um, We'll hop back on let's here do, next Let's week. do a recruiting episode next week, man. Recruiting episode next week. So we're going to talk about the who, the what, the why, the when, the how, all that stuff. We'll find an appropriate guest by then. All right. All right. I appreciate all it, right, man. brother. See ya. We'll see ya. Bye. You are listening to the T-Row and Funky Show brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built. 